Welcome to today's episode of the podcast with me, Joanne Grobelar, and today I'm very excited to be joined by James Jowsey. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me, Joanne. You're welcome. Already I can feel the giggles building, James. So James um, was a professional footballer growing up. He's been in the fitness industry for the last 15 years, working as a sports coach and sports therapist. James, from a very young age, you were involved in competitive sport. How has that helped you shape your career today? I think it's been the pretty much the driving force of everything I do, really. Um, I've always been competitive, compare like competitive everything. Didn't want to lose in a class test. Um, learning to swim, I had to be the first one across the pool, even though it wasn't a competition. So competition, <laughs> competition is just it's just within me. Um, yeah, uh, but been involved in that process and um, falling falling slightly short of my my dream goal. Um, Sports, well, I say sports within me. So, just the next step was only to move to move into sport, um, or to move into initially the fitness industry. Um, but again, the competition and the the drive to to know more and improve and and be better has enabled me to work with people of all ability uh, of all levels. Uh, but yeah, now now in the professional sport realm as well. Yeah, so one of the things that I'm aware that you do is you now work with pro athletes. That's one part of your specialism. Um, how, how did that happen? How did you make the leap from being a professional footballer, getting into the fitness industry, and now really, you know, you've worked so hard working with pro athletes. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, pretty much like what I said before, really, like just always wanting to be better and the better my knowledge and the application of that knowledge, more importantly, got the better results I was getting. And I've literally been, I'm a word of mouth, I'm a word of mouth practitioner. Um, and yeah, the avenues I was working down, it kind of led from, um, I was in CrossFit myself and uh, happy enough to admit that I was lucky in a place where the gym that I trained at, um, a good friend of mine, Carl Stedman, who is one of the like, was one of the kind of leaders, pioneers of CrossFit in the UK was the, the box owner. And so everyone kind of turned to him in the early days of CrossFit for help. And, um, he knew my skill set as a, as a coach and movement and helping people with injuries. And that kind of opened the door for me in that in that point of view, um, and then that just just spread like within CrossFit. You then had sports scientists that are interested in CrossFit and do sport, CrossFit, and then that led into them coming to see me. And then before you know it, you're dealing with um, the professional professional level rugby player, Premiership rugby players, and Premiership footballers, just based off purely based off results rather than talk like. Well, don't don't get me into ranting on the fitness industry right now, but yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of talk and not enough action. Yeah, which we we talk a lot about privately about yeah. that. So I know from my own personal <clears throat> experience of you helping me um, that you're you have a huge skill set in helping people move better. Yeah, uh, not just better. What uh, 
like more productively, more purposefully and, and helping people understand their bodies and helping them come back from injury. What, what is the process when you have somebody stood in front of you, James, whether that's um, a, a professional athlete or somebody like me who is completely non-athletic, what is the process that you go through to, to figure out what is going on with them? Um, first of all, it's understanding what, who, well, A, what is their, what is their desired outcome? Yeah. Is that sporting related? Is it life related? What is, why are you in front of me today? What, what drives you to be here? Um, like yourself, it was to get out of pain. Yeah. And from there, leading it to walk again. Yeah. Yeah. the surgery that you went through so then it's understanding right from that process if that's my desired goal now I need to know where that person sits relative to that goal but also then the environment within which that exists and everything that's led them to that point yeah so people that have come from high sporting backgrounds low sporting backgrounds how their body has learned to move can like people that haven't been in sport can I'd call them classed as um, like they're kind of like a naive mover. So they don't really have, they've actually got a lot of potential. So they can, they can actually, a lot of the time, if I got a a guy that's played football um, every weekend for 15, 20 years, I ask him to move and versus someone that's been fairly inactive. Sometimes you can actually see, what would look like better movement from the person that's actually not done the sport. However, they don't have control of the body. So you see that they've got better range or a a better ability to squat or something like that. But then you almost see that Bambi on ice effect. Whereas sometimes within the the athlete, apart from at a high, high level, they can, they can, they're they're the best compensators. Um, So they seem to be able to do more, but not necessarily correctly. Um, they they can sometimes look a bit stiff, but however, they've got control of that movement. So there's, yeah, um, where you came from pretty much leads me into, right, well, I know your past and I know where you want to go and now I'm going to assess where I where I think you, relative to those two destin- where you've come from and where you want to go to, I want to find out where you are relative to that destination. Um, and then we start playing with yeah your exercise and your movement based off your needs. So if you want to walk again, then exercises look a lot more like walking. Yeah. If you want to be a high-profile athlete, then the exercise generally looks a lot more intense and a lot more yeah sport-specific. Um, so I've got so, yeah. a question around you for athletes. So um, I know what a really incredible coach you are. And you can take that recognition. Um, you've just talk, indicated there that, you know, um, pro athletes, they can compensate quite a bit. How yeah. do you, when you, because I'm imagining and you see that because you're such a phenomenal reader of people's bodies and people's movement. How do you have that conversation with them and, and get them out of maybe poor habits and into changing their movement? Something that they may have been doing for, you know, the whole history of their career. How do you help them change from what they used to do to doing something new? I mean, in fairness, a lot of it comes from, let's say, I'm lucky with that place of due to word of mouth and due to 
um, yeah, my reputation, be it good or bad, infamous reputation, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, due to that process, people are kind of already, they're coming to me with, they're already motivated. They're already, like, they're motivated, but like yourself, I need to be able to walk again. Yeah. Like, so the, or the, they're a high-level athlete. There's, yeah, nobody's more motivated. Oh, it's a big discussion. <laughs> is anybody more motivated than a high, highly driven athlete who is putting themselves out there to, yeah, go all in for their dream in the public eye? potentially fail potentially get knocked down lose sleep over it I, I, know, I know we all do that like i just i say i haven't come from i haven't come from that background where you have this childhood dream like they they are on that periphery um the pressure with that so they're, they're, they are some of the most driven people that their, their body is that well their body is their is their uh, their, their body is their income? Yeah, it's yeah. their career. Yeah, gives them everything. So, um, I'm, I think I'm in a lucky place where I don't necessarily have to do that. Uh, what I have to work with a lot more is um, showing people the path. So showing them like, look, there's a, you come to me in this painful state, but this isn't like you come to me once and uh, yeah, I'm in a lucky place. Well, lucky. Um, coincidental look that a lot of people see me one or two times and then they're out of pain that doesn't necessarily mean that on my radar they are the optimal human being that I'd like them to be um, so yeah getting the getting the showing them that path is like right this is what you need to be able to do to get out of pain and then this is what you need to be able to do to 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 thrive in whatever uh, domain you choose that to be so can we talk about pain for a second in the body of course we can <laughs> pain do, is pain um in your experience always down to mechanics movement or can it sometimes be emotional or a combination of all of that um combination of all mm-hmm. um we have a phenomenon within with the compare athletes and we call it two week out syndrome yeah um and literally like pretty much on the nose moving into competitions two weeks out they've got every pain under the sun and that's a combination of yes training stress is high um training intensity is high training volumes yeah training volume and intensity like normally you like to be either doing intense or volume but you are in that period where you need both so that's a very stressful time for the body so we understand that the training stress is high but it literally it is yeah two weeks out they've got all these eight campaigns and they're not they've, they've come from nowhere they've not been building up it's just like i woke up one day and there was this and pretty much they come and you spend some time with them you give them uh i give them a magic cuddle I'm going to jump in there. It's called the James Jowsey background, in case anybody needs to know. <laughs> we, give, we give them a magic cuddle and all the pain goes away. Um, uh, yeah, so we know that there's that psychological element to the, to the pain there. Um, likewise, I've had people that it was nutritional. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, generally I always start with mechanics because generally people are coming from a sporting 
because, well, no, no, yeah, they, they have a sporting ambition, let's say. So the where I kind of fit on the continuum of movement is, um, and this isn't this is the problem across like people are either in their sport or they're in rehabilitation. Yeah. And the problem is when when they go into the rehabilitation stage, um, they're seeing whatever health practitioner that may be, and they have they rehabilitate that muscle and actually they, they follow the protocol and it is the protocol that, that is correct, but what's not been assessed, so then they get cleared. Yeah. Then they get cleared to exercise and then they go back to straight into the sport and actually their build back into the sport is very, very like too fast, too soon. And at the same time, the rehabilitation process didn't match wasn't mirroring the exact function that they need. It wasn't intense enough. It wasn't enough. There wasn't enough stress to it. So yeah, people live in that kind of, they're at one end of the spectrum or the other. What, what we do is we kind of take them through that journey where people kind of jump between the, their kind of rehabilitation and their, or their pain, let's say, and their sport or their desired goal. It's yeah. very much like one one end of the spectrum to the other, whereas what, what we do is then break down the stages and make sure you kind of ticked more boxes along the way. And that's not to say that it delays the return. It just means that when you get back to the sport, you're less likely to have a relapse. And when you actually get back there as well, what happens with a lot of people, they end up hitting new personal bests and things that they couldn't do before. Which is the important thing, isn't it? We want we 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 talk a lot about putting foundations in st- strong foundations so that people can then leverage and become more powerful. One of the things that I've just heard you talk about is two week out syndrome. When your athletes yeah. are in that space, and you know we know that you need to give them the magic cuddle, is yeah. what are some of the things that you do with their mindset around that, and not just their body? It's letting them know that, that this is just a normal sensation. Like, and it is a normal sensation and it, it is fine. It's nothing. To, I mean, I say a magic cuddle. Like, I am obviously checking, I'm checking that they haven't done any damage. Yeah. And as soon as that's cleared, that obviously in itself removes a lot of the worry. Yeah. Because they're worried that it's a pain that's something serious. So, confirming that it's nothing serious is kind of the first part. And then saying, look, this is normal. Yeah. Like your body's supposed to be hurting, you're pushing it hard. Like it's yeah, it's time to go. And I think one of the things that you've taught me as part of my rehab and recovery is that pain's not also pain's not always a bad thing. You know, as part of the recovery process, when you start moving differently and start doing the things that you encourage people to do, it's gonna feel different in the body. And that's not necessarily pain, it's just different. Um, and I think that's one of the things that you taught me that that was really helpful in my own personal recovery. Yeah, for sure. Um, when, like I say, when when dormant muscles or sleepy muscles, whatever you want to, such technical terms, want to call them, um, like when when uh, yeah, when you're training muscles that have become lazy over time to start working, then then new sensations that people haven't felt in a long time, and they've been in a pain cycle, so. It's only natural that this new pain becomes a worry to them as well, because yeah, um, 
they're, they're in pain all the time. Yeah. So yeah, the, these muscles become stressed and, and any muscle that starts, well, sorry, any muscle that the body, as soon as you start to push its threshold and the level that it can work at, like it is going to complain and ask you a question. Um, it is, it's only normal. Like we see it, we see it in there. That, that's the whole, the beautiful thing about the human body is that it can achieve it can achieve what we ask it to do, whether that's a arguably healthy or unhealthy thing to do. And, and sport at the highest level isn't, isn't necessarily a healthy thing for the body, but the body adapts wonderfully to be able to do that um, and finds a way. But along that, along that path will come some complaints from it, yeah. um, asking you a question, do you really want to do this? Yeah. Um, and then as soon as you mentally are tough enough to push through that, then everything kind of settles down. Yeah, and I think one of the things, again, personal experience is, you know, I'm big on mental toughness when it comes to my career, when it comes to building great leaders and helping leaders perform in their business. But sometimes you can, that, your own mental toughness when it comes to your body and coming back from injury and illness can be really challenging. And one of the things that I think you really do very well, James, is, help build self-esteem and self-confidence when coming back from injury why do you think you're so good at that why do I think I'm so good at it yeah what is um, it about you I've never I've never been given that feedback uh, well, there uh, you go. well thank you very much um, I suppose probably having having been where where people are like I've like my my football career wasn't cut short by injury However, injury came along with that process. Um, so I was released because ultimately, yeah, I wasn't good enough to make it the grade that made it at, uh, that I was playing at. But then as I went down, uh, went down trying to find a new club and things, it became very much like I was driving all around the country. I ended up with nerve pain running down my whole right side of my of my leg basically and I was playing with this nerve pain because I didn't have a contract and um yeah I didn't have a football contract I was trying to get a football contract I was like well if I'm if I'm injured then how am I going to get a contract so I'll keep playing I'll keep pushing through and then but I just wasn't playing well so injury didn't help me play well but likewise injury hampered my yeah in, injury hampered things um so having had my dream at the time cut short and suffered with pain and things like that um just made me want to be able to work with um like i, said, I know where people are coming from people that have a goal people that are striving to achieve something having that hold them back and stop them like i've been there so it's my own empathy with them because i've 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 been through that process, um, so that's that is what um, that is what motivates me to yeah to help people. Um, and yeah. I think I think for me, having worked with other health professionals when I was struggling with my injury and walking, things that and and I'm going to drop it in here the work that you did with my dad that I've talked about on my social media and how you were just incredible with him when 
you know, quite honestly, other health professionals completely discounted him. The empathy that you show is like I've never seen before with a health professional, James. And I think it's really interesting that you've just tuned into that now and you were able to pick out the word, you know, it's empathy. I know what it feels like to be, to want to move, to want to be better and being somebody as competitive as you are. Interestingly, you've got that, this massive competitive edge, but you can drop down into empathy and really transform that communication experience between you, the coach, and the person that needs your help. Why, thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't take compliments very well, Joe. I know, no, this is something that we work on. <laughs> yeah, but is that, yeah. is that news to you, having just walked that through? I mean, you, that's... No, I mean, no, no, I do realise I am, like, it's really weird. Like, the, the worst thing you can do is train your partner. Yeah. And, like, I remember I did, I think I did, like, 30 minutes with my wife way back before we were married in a gym and it, we pretty much just ended the session right there because I literally had no sympathy, no empathy, no patience. It was just like, why can't you do it? Are you stupid? What's wrong with you? But then and as soon as it's... alignment for the man that I know. It's, yeah. No. It's but so then like with... I'm like, with are you it, sure that was you saying that? <laughs> yeah, but like, as soon as I, I'm in like professional head, like I can just, yeah, I just know where... You drop down into where that where I need to be, um, and I I think I I pick up on well yeah, yeah I'm not a bad reader of body language and and everything like that. So you can tell when someone needs more of a I say cuddle like yeah talk, like needs more empathy versus yes. when someone needs a kick up the behind to. Yeah. Stop morning, just work harder. Yeah. And I've had both ends of the spectrum, believe me. Yeah. You know, and it works. And I think, you know, one of the reasons that I really wanted to speak with you today on the podcast, because you know, I do a lot of work in the arena of emotional intelligence. And for me, the work that you do is very emotionally intelligent, lad. You know, you're very good at relationship building. You're phenomenal at motivating your pro athletes and people who are not athletes who do come to you for help and support um but empathy is something that's really special in you and that superpower interestingly you shared with us that one of the hardest lessons for you as a leader has been around confrontation yeah where where have you moved from that being a hard lesson to now working on that skill and managing confrontation um, a, com- a combination of things. I think one is foresight. Yeah. So kind of looking at where, or well, reflect reflect first. So reflection on why it happened. And then the foresight on seeing, well, that's why it happened last time. So what do I need to do in advance to mean that that conversation doesn't happen in the first place? Yeah. Um, so almost, yeah making sure all the processes are in place so you've had the communication beforehand so it doesn't happen. Um, But then from there, yeah, literally just... It's uh, being able to press that pause button, I think, isn't it, James, and take 10 paces back and maybe create the visual that you can look around a corner emotionally that you maybe couldn't see because you're standing so close to the challenge or the issue. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, definitely I'm in a different mindset when I when I read, like, it, I spend a lot of time, my, my athletes are messaging me a lot, and I used to waste a lot of energy 
and a lot of my stress came from reading the words. Whereas now I actually don't, I just answer the question. Yeah. I don't read the words almost, yeah. if that makes that, that's how yeah. I'd best describe it. Like, I, you don't, I don't emotionally I don't, translate the words. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just answer their question and move on. I don't, don't feel like I have to explain myself or anything like that. It's just, no, they just want to know if it's that. There you yeah. go. That's yeah. why. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that, that, you know, there's all areas that we all need to consistently work on. So I think it's brilliant that you own that part of yourself. What I want to talk to you about next is you've gone from professional, professional athlete, professional sportsman, to moving into the fitness industry to now owning two really brilliant brands, James Jousey Training and Red Pill Training. Yeah. Talk to me about that journey from where you were maybe five, six, seven years ago to where you are now. What are the things that choices and maybe the decisions that you've had to make to end up with these two phenomenal brands that have real, you know, really, really are champions in that space? Yeah. I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, I feel like my pretty much since I started in the fitness industry, I've pretty much been on a two-year cycle. Yeah. Like, so every two years, I end up, the, my business, my career, whatever, whatever you want to call it, evolves. Yeah. So I think within, so I started in 2005 and quite quickly, like just working in a, yeah, working in a gym, personal training clients and everything like that. It's, teaching them the way all personal trainers do. And I quickly kind of realized I was like, when I was teaching people to do things, I wanted to understand why some people seemed to pick things up very quickly and other people didn't. And so I worked very hard on it being me not good enough as a coach to understand it rather than the flip side of, which is the general consensus from coaches is, oh, well, sometimes you've just got people that, don't know where the bodies are and yes to a certain extent that's that can be the case you get more coordinated people and less coordinated people but still not happy to accept that um and it's my job to improve it yeah um so that's where i then ended up looking into movement and like well if the joints restricted or muscles weak then that's why the joints going to move that way etc um and was just studying and studying and and using the stuff that I'd learned, but actually not really getting many results. And then luckily I ended up, I was there, yeah, after two years, I ended up moving gyms. Um, and then the, the gym that I moved to, the personal training company, were running like CPD day. And they got um, a company in to talk about functional movement and how the body how the body really works. Um, and it was my, uh, who, Nat, Phil Mansfield, who is, yeah, my mentor and now uh, privileged to say my business partner at Red Pill uh, that was teaching me. So, yeah, 2007, I was introduced to him. 2008, I started the mentorship program. And then I've literally been just developing through that process. So going from personal training, then working with people with pain, then... Um, yeah, then stopping the personal training to solely work with people with pain and then with athletes, developing the movement. And yeah, and bit by bit, I'd say the, the higher athletes that I started working with in CrossFit, more trainers, uh, trainers, therapists were, saw the results 
I was getting and were were interested and wanted to shadow and wanted to learn and so went back to Phil and we I was I was assisting him with a couple of mentorships in the meantime but then all of a sudden like say the CrossFit CrossFit coaches were were knocking on the door and so we set up Red Pill to start educating coaches basically because the there was a demand for us to pay it forward so to speak yeah and to show people how to do better and do differently yeah exactly like I, I remember time remember uh, yeah when I first did it I was, I was very insecure with as most most trainers are I mean yeah everyone's got their insecurity that they think they're gonna somebody else knows the same as them and they're gonna lose business whereas now like I've lost all that insecurity and it's it's very much like if we're getting these results that we're getting, like obviously there will come a time where unfortunately I'm no longer here. And if I just That's let that... That's a dark corner all of a sudden. Yeah, a little bit dark. <laughs> but you, you, like what happens if that knowledge, like yeah. you, you don't share that knowledge forward and then all of a sudden like the people potentially missed out on the next generation missed out on learning how to apply it because that's ultimately what we're doing as a human beings is is learning all the time how this wonderful mechanism mind yeah. works i mean the, the brain's a different thing altogether isn't it we don't yeah we're never going to know how the brain well we're never really going to know how the body works either yeah. uh, how it all works interlinks but the brain is even more unknown yeah um but yeah to to be moving further forward or to be making some strides forward with the results that you're getting, say so only needed to be, yeah, has to be shared. And, you know, having, having been kind of in your, around you for that period of time, I think for me, it's been phenomenal to see you go from, you know, I'd never say self-doubt. I think you always knew that you really knew your stuff, but putting your head above the parapet to say to people, I really do know my stuff. And you reap the rewards of that, you know, and like say Red Pill has just really taken off and he's doing some really phenomenal work there out in the fitness industry. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a lot of, we've been going now three years, I think, as a company. Yeah, and it's growing year on year, which is which has been fantastic. How so? How as an individual, James? How do you keep learning? Because I know that is something from you know knowing you personally that's really important to you. So, what would you say to other people, whether they're leaders, business owners in the fitness industry? How how do you keep learning, and what knowledge can you impart to encourage others? I'm learning with every session I do. Yeah. I. It's it's not just sitting down reading a book. It's it's learning at source practically what worked, what didn't work. Have I seen that pattern before? Have I met that? Yeah. Have I seen that person coming from that sport before? Yep. I've seen that sport. I've seen that pattern again. There's my there's my experience. So learning practically like that. Yeah. The work. I mean, I still me and Phil speak every day, and he's. Um, yeah, I still learn daily from him, um, even if it's just snippets. Um, I'm doing a degree right now in sports science, uh, so I've gone around it what would be termed the untraditional way, but I'm so pleased that I have, it, have done it this way because 
I'm literally just absorbing every piece of information. Like every topic is interesting. Whereas seeing the youngsters go through it, like they're they're just uh, they're doing it just to pass the exam. Yeah. Whereas I'm looking at year one, like they say, oh, year one doesn't count for anything. Year one doesn't count for anything, but all the information is is that foundation for year two. So if I've not taken that in, absorbed that, then I'm not going to take get the most out of year two. So that ability to just uh, take in and absorb and, yeah, reading. Reading the... It's reading literature, but it's, it's not applying been accepted. It. It's applying it, but it's also not accepting it either. Yeah. Because like, people... Like, we just started reading like scientific... Like reading the scientific papers and things like people can take quotes out of them and you see it. And then this is the thing with the fitness industry. You see people take a quote out of a scientific paper and you actually read the paper and the scientist at the end of the paper pretty much says, this doesn't really provide any clarity on the situation, blah, blah, blah. And lots more research needs to be done. But one of the fitness industry people has taken a quote from it and is promoting it like it's gospel. And that's how the way everything should be done. So it's, is not accepting everything for what it is. It's been able to apply critical thinking yeah. and go, well, in that study, what was wrong? In that group set, what was wrong? Like, it, yeah, it's it's not accepting. Yeah, we, we are evolving and we've got to keep that open mind, but, but question everything. I am the annoying why kid. Yeah. Um, which is why when my daughter asks me why, daddy, I just laugh because it's, it's uh, yeah. She's turning to you completely. It's karma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's karma. Um, I think it's really interesting that because we we have an episode that we've recorded with Dr. Sarah Davies, who's a functional medicine doctor. We've recorded with Dr. Zoe Hodgson, who is specialised in menopause. And both of those clinicians and GPs have said, you know what, we need to look at the research and turn it on its head. Because actually how that research has been interpreted may totally not be correct for a certain group of people. And therefore, we need to connect the dots in a much more um, intuitive, smart way. So I love the fact that you're also looking at that medical information in that way, James. Yeah, I mean, obviously the research is... There's always a majority and a majority that it does work in, but what about the minority? Yeah. Like why why are the people understanding why those people might be the outliers? Like that's where if we can understand that process and yes, follow the straight lines where thankfully the straight lines in science have taken us. Um but yeah, then understanding like say that well, what if I need to what if I need to divert off this path? And that, that is the skill that I've developed is the problem solving. Yeah, and um, I love it. I love that a lot of our podcast guests have, do have that kind of emotional intelligence to ask that question and to be brave enough to go off the, the path and find out what could happen. Maybe there is something even better down here for the person that I need to get help for. For sure. 
So James, you, when we invite a guest on, we get you to kind of answer us some questions. You made me howl with laughter when we always say, you know, tell us some fun facts about you when you don't have fun. You're one of the most fun people <laughs> I know. You're one of the most gregarious, joy-giving, joy-loving, laughing person that I know. Uh, how do you bring joy to your day every life? Because I know that you do. Probably my family. Yeah. First and foremost, right? my daughter makes me laugh every day. My wife makes me laugh every day. Yeah, just, yeah, we have fun at home. Yeah. Um, we have our stresses at home, as all families do, but yeah, no, ultimately normal. it starts Ultimately, it starts from there. Um, I don't take myself, even though I'm, <laughs> even though I'm very serious. Uh, sorry, I'm very... Uh, serious about what, what I do. What, I'm very serious about what I do. Yeah. At the same time, nobody can take the proverbial out of me better than I can myself. Yeah. Um, so the ability to laugh at myself is, yeah, something that I have, I'm pretty good at. Um, and not take myself too seriously in other environments, as there are several videos out there. <laughs> We're, we're testify going to now reach for Google and do some research. So, James, what can we expect to see from you in the next 12 months? What projects have you got on the boil that you would like to share with us? What What are you excited about? Oh, just the next result, the next step forwards. Um, being able to look back on myself and go, why did you do that? How stupid were you? Like that's the you do that sometimes like I get especially when someone comes in that I've not seen for a while. Yeah. And I see them and I'm just like, how did I not just solve that that quickly? Mm. Like and that's the that's when the joy comes. Like I get annoyed with myself. I'm like, why did I not see that? But then actually you think about it, you go, Well, that's just how much that's just the improvement in skill set, the the hours, the hours in the trenches, so to speak. Um yeah. Just, just paying off. So, yeah, we're, we're red pill is growing. We're developing a coaching team now, so we're able to. Like the big plan is, yeah, have a coaching team that that means we can be providing high quality coaching to to as many people as possible. Um, not directly, obviously, coached by us, but indirectly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. Seeing that process grow, seeing other coaches out there do it like now, like yeah, coaching the coaches is is um, is the plan to to reach more people. James, you have been a spectacular guest today. You know, I I have personally a lot to be thankful and grateful to you for. Um, I held you in very high esteem, and I was just so privileged that you agreed after I did badge you. <laughs> <laughs> to come on the podcast because you know I know I know you know you don't just do work with phenomenal athletes you do really good work with people who are completely non-athletic like me and you literally transform people's lives um and I'm grateful to you so thank you so much for being an incredible podcast guest sharing your values and story with us and just being ace thank you very much for there you're welcome <laughs>